Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are on this series. Actually, I'm wrapping up this series, Resurrection People. And I want to take us back to Easter. It wasn't that long ago, only a couple weeks ago, but I just love, um, and there's a book called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, which Pastor Monica this Tuesday is starting a group where it's a video series, so even if you don't have the book, you don't need to have the book, but you can come here Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, and we're going to start a study uh, on this book and about the afterlife. Doesn't that sound exciting? I think so. And something he says in this book I thought was so great. He says this, he's referring to Easter, is our greatest festival. Take away Christmas, and in biblical terms, which I'm not saying take away Christmas. No, I love Christmas. But in biblical terms, you lose two chapters at the front of Matthew and Luke. Nothing else. Take Easter away, you don't have a New Testament. You don't have a Christianity. As Paul says, you are still in your sins. You shouldn't, we shouldn't allow the secular world with its schedules and habits and para-religious events, its cute Easter bunnies, to blow us off course. This is our greatest day. We should put the flags out. It is all because of what happened at Easter. A new reality has opened up in the world. A new kind of life, both inward and importantly outward, in holiness and in hope of our own resurrection. This is a big deal. So it's worth understanding and getting to know what it means to be resurrection people. And I know we've been talking about how we live that out. And it's been a beautiful journey. I hope you've enjoyed it. And today, I just want to kind of focus on two questions. The first being, do I have to believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus? Is that important? Number two, how does the resurrection change everything? And today, I want to say a phrase over and over and over again so we remember it. This is always an important thing. We are resurrection people, and that changes everything. So before I jump into scripture, I just want to pray because it is God that transforms hearts and allows his word to do something in us. So God, we just come before you once again as we even have prepared our hearts in worship and remembering your sacrifice and taking a moment to reflect on what the great blood of Jesus has done for us and and how it has even given us this freedom to be able to, to gather in this place. And we just say thank you for this privilege and this honor to be in your presence. And we also ask God, that we wouldn't leave, or that we would leave changed. God, that you would do something in these moments that would create even a different kind of walking out of this faith in following you. It is such a journey, and we just ask for, for one step today, God. In your name, amen. God is good. So it is obviously a Corinthians morning, because that's kind of been the scripture of the morning. Pastor Mike, Pastor Monica, it's Corinthians. So that's great. I'm following suit. We didn't discuss it, but it's 
in the Bible, and that's just so great how God connects things, is always wonderful. And um, this book of Corinthians, as Pastor Mike mentioned, Paul wrote this, this book of the Bible to the church in Corinth. It was a church he had planted on, one of his, on his first missionary journey, and the church in Corinth was dear to his heart. Just like anyone who has, has planted a church, it's like you care what's happening in that church. And the city of Corinth was all sorts of colors and all sorts of, you know, crazy things happening. And so Paul was hearing about some dumpster fires in the church. So basically he's like, okay, I need to remind you of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I also need to remind you of the gospel. I need to remind you of the basics of your faith so that you don't lose track. And he actually wrote three letters to the Corinthians, but we have two. So this is actually 1.5 Corinthians that we're reading because this is his second letter to the Corinthians. But he wanted to make sure that they knew the foundations of what it meant to follow Jesus. And the beauty of Scripture, and something that we always have to remember, is that although it was written to a church many, many years ago, this Scripture is also written for the church in Canada, the church in Leduc, in the church of City Life. This is God's Word for us and meant to be how we establish and, and work out our life of following Jesus. And what we believe about this truth makes all the difference. We have to believe that we are resurrection people and that changes everything. So let's begin. We're going to begin in, so this is chapter 15. It is the longest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection. So this is kind of where I started studying and how it evolved into what it is today. And I hope it's just wonderful. Great. Okay, so uh, verse 1 of chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you, we always need reminding, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. I think that's so important because we often can stand when we have a clarity of what the gospel is. When we know what the truth is or what we believe, we are quite sure to take a stand on it. It's a lot easier to be able to stand up for what you believe is true. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is top of the priority list. This is really important. And he's about to basically give you the gospel in two verses. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. That's the gospel that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised. And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That he appeared to James, that then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one also, as to one abnormally born. I love that. It's like, does anyone ever feel abnormally born? <laughs> like, how did I end up here? If you knew my past, if you knew my story, if you knew the decisions and choices that I made, I don't know if I should be in this family. But, but by the grace of God, 
And that's what Paul goes on to say. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted, I killed people who attested to Jesus, who who were uh, committed to Christ. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. How many times does he know the grace of God is what actually affords us a part of this family? That was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preached and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. Wow. So I ask you again, after hearing even that last statement, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So is it crucial that you, as a follower of Jesus, believe in the physical, bodily resurrection of Christ? Uh, Yes. I'll let you answer that. Thank you, Pastor Monica. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, she's with me. I love it. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're just checking this stuff out, I encourage you to dig deeper. There is so much historical documentation of the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I think it's so important that we know that this is true. Because when we know that, we take a stand for that gospel and for that truth, right? And there's a book by Jeremiah Johnston called The Body of Proof, or Body of Proof, and that's an amazing uh, uh, resource. That's what I'm like, resource to be able to check out more of these things. And these are a few things that, that he says in his book about what skeptics can agree on. So three things that skeptics agree on, according to this book, that there was, number one, someone named Jesus who lived who was the son of Joseph and Mary. There, there's an account of his life. He really lived. He really walked on this planet. And like I said, even our calendar is dictated by his life and death, which is pretty cool that we are the ones who believe that. He is one of the most historically documented people of all time. Like, he, there's so much evidence for our Christ. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Number two, that Jesus was killed by Roman crucifixion. This, this is one of the great, the most attested facts of history is that Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. There's 15 sources within 100 years of the life of historical Jesus, four of which are not biblical. So, so these are outside sources that wrote down this story. Again, attesting to the credibility. That's what happened. And he actually died. Romans knew how to kill people. <laughs> and sometimes I wonder, why did Jesus come when it was crucifixion? Instead of like lethal injection. Like that, to be wrongfully accused, which he knew he would be, why didn't he choose maybe a bit more, like a kinder way out? 
But yet, when you read the scriptures in Isaiah even, it's like our Savior to be, to be completely bruised and broken for us to the point where people couldn't even recognize him. That's our Savior, and that's what he did to fulfill the scriptures. Over and over again, he fulfills the scriptures, which is, again, a testament to his real life and real death and real resurrection. Number three, where scholars can agree that there was an empty tomb, that the people who experienced Jesus after, they, they actually had transformed lives. Something happened overnight that changed the course of history, that changed the world perspective of hundreds of people, that it was just like, wow, something happened. And, you know, even when you think about the, those three things that scholars can agree on, that, you know, there was Jesus, he died by Roman crucifixion, and there was an empty tomb. It's like, yeah, things line up that this is the truth, that Jesus rose again. And the, and the people who experienced Jesus after he rose again, their lives changed to the point where they were willing to die for those three things because they believed it so completely that it's like, I'm willing to go to the wall for this. There was a boldness that was awakened in that moment that changed the lives of people and of history and birthed what we now are the church. This is what we're part of, being able to be bold for that story, for that gospel. And in those times, if you said, hey, I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it wasn't just, oh, this fits into my, you know, society moral code stuff. Like, we can kind of add it on, but for them, it was the lions in an arena that they met. It was a stoning. It was crucifixion. That was the reality of believing this story. A few additional evidences just because, you know, for some of you, it's just so interesting. Maybe the rest of others, maybe not, but just stay with me because it's really cool. And it's not just cool because it's like fun facts, but it's real. It just, it just grows in you that, again, that awe and that honor of, of the Father and God that we serve because he did this for us, and it really happened, and it's so important to know that. So some things that are kind of cool in the, in the Gospels, the first people that Jesus appeared to when he rose from the grave, do you know who they were? Women. Now, women in that society were, were second-rate citizens, and their, their witness didn't even stand up in court. So to have a fabricated story that, that was, was, was really given its, its um, witness by women, it just wasn't a thing that you'd write down. It, it isn't something that you would document and say, oh, the women told us. It's like, oh, yeah, the women, you know, they're always talking about stuff. <laughs> Right? It, and, and even the disciples, the stories that they write about themselves is kind of funny because it's like, if you were writing down your story, I hope you wouldn't write it so embarrassing, you know? Like, they really put themselves in a little bit of a, oh, I'm putting it all out there. And which even, even the thought that 
These disciples, they walked with Jesus. They did life with Jesus. They saw, they saw how he changed people's lives, how he healed them. He was just filled with truth and grace, and this was how he lived. And yet, the disciples were told numerous times, like there's 21 accounts throughout the Gospels of Jesus saying, three days, guys, three days, three days, something's going to happen. It's all going to be different. Mark 9:31. the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, he says, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. So how many of them were camped out in the bushes by the tomb? None of them. I was like, not even one? I mean, aren't you like curious? It was like, is something going to like, is the tomb going to open? Is it going to break? Is there, like, what's going to happen? I want to see. I want to know. None of them. They were all hiding in their houses under their blankets. And you know, sometimes we're like, well, if I was there, <laughs> no, you know, I would be hiding under my blankets. You know, like we just, sometimes when we know the after story, it's so easy to be confident. But guess what? We know the after story. So we can be confident that we serve a risen Savior. He has overcome death, which is so powerful. And there was hundreds of eyewitnesses, hundreds. And the, the book of Mark and the book of First Corinthians, they were written around like AD 53. So this was like 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So, and Paul even says, though some are, are, have fallen asleep, many are still living. Those eyewitnesses, they're still living. And it was actually, it, it was unheard of to say something had happened when there was eyewitnesses that would have seen it, if it wasn't true. Because there, was so, there was so much around knowing that this was true. September 11th, 2001. I'm sure when I say that date, you all know where you were or what screen you were watching at the time. And it was a, an event that changed history. It was huge. And there were so many eyewitnesses. There was one lady, Teresa Marino Leone, who worked in one of the towers who actually escaped. And you know what? She wrote her story in 2021, 20 years later. Would anybody question whether it was true? It's like, no, we all saw it. And, and it's different. But the truth is, is that it was known and seen. So many people saw it. But do you know why there is so much scrutiny and so much like, well, I don't know, I don't know. Because if there is a resurrected king, it changes everything. We actually have to, it demands a response. It demands that something change. And so, as resurrection people, we have to realize that this changes everything. And it's undisputable. It happened. Just saying. First Corinthians, back into continuing on in this. We're not going to go through the whole chapter, but here and there. Um, going back to verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses. So then we're not even telling the truth. If we're not telling the truth about this, what can you believe of us? 
about the God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You have nothing, in, like there's nothing to hope for. You are still in your sins. Then those, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Do you hear that? As those, as, as those who are convinced that this story is true, we're the most to feel sorry for. Because, you know, you guys have no idea what's coming. But the truth is, is that without the resurrection of Jesus, all we have is this life. That's it. There's no hope beyond the grave. The physical body, this soul that is you, living and breathing on this planet, the hurt you feel as you experience loneliness, the pain you feel in your body as you just try and do life, your joints, your limbs, wherever you feel pain physically, or when you try and sleep at night and you can't, the disease that consumes you, the temptation you cannot beat, that insecurity that meets you at every corner in every conversation, the worry, the fear of your future, for your aging parents, for, for your financial security, for your kids growing up in this sin-filled, disgusting world that gets more confusing every day? This is it? No way. But Jesus, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. What a deep sadness to live only for what this world can offer, what pleasure, sex, or money, or entertainment, or food can offer us. This is it. But we know that we are resurrection people, and that changes everything. Now, some of you aren't going to like me right now because we're going to say it together with as much gusto as we have on a Sunday morning filled with vitamin D and sunshine outside. The Oilers just won. Come on, there's lots of reasons. And we're going to say on the count of three that we are resurrection people and that changes everything. Okay? Okay. One, two, three. We are resurrection people and that changes everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. I appreciate that. You know, we'd all cheer if it was a goal. So it's a win for the kingdom. So yes. Oh, man, if you're listening online, I'm sorry. I, I've been listening online and the, like, the yelling or the quiet, the yelling, it's like, oh, oh. So hopefully you don't have your AirPods in. Anyway, something that we also need to remember, though, is 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And it says, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So what this scripture says is that we grieve. It's not all happy, wonderful, is it? There's loss. There's death. There's disappointment. And we grieve. You're meant to grieve. Jesus wept. He knows. He understands and lean into him. But we do not grieve like the rest of mankind. We don't grieve without hope. We know that there is more beyond this moment and this life. 
1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 24 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits, which means he's the first and there's many to come of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when, the hand, when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet." Yes. Death came through one man. Adam, the first Adam, he was the first of all creation. But guess what? The second Adam, Jesus Christ, he was the first of a new creation, a new creation life that we now live in. And because he actually not only took sin on himself, he actually defeated it and put it in the grave that we can have a new life in him. Are you facing death right now? Maybe it's physical death, emotional death, spiritual death, the death of a dream. Remember that Jesus has defeated death. We are resurrection people, and that actually changes everything. And the scripture goes on to say that, you know, the, these bodies that we have, they're a seed that gets put in the ground. It's a perishable seed. It's, it's mortal. And then it gives birth to this immortal life. It gives birth to the imperishable. And we have glimpses of what Jesus's body was like, you know, like he could walk through walls. I hope that's part of our new life. And, but he still ate food and he still wore clothes. It's just so many good things that we just have glimpses of. I'll just skip to verse 55. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the victory over death. We are, we believe in the resurrection. We are resurrection people, and that changes everything. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, the final verse of this chapter Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So those first two questions I asked, the second one was, how does the resurrection change everything? It's in that verse. We stand firm. Nothing moves us. We give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we don't labor in vain. If you've ever given birth to a child, labor is not fun, but it has purpose. There's, it's, it's worth it. And so we labor as if we have something to look forward to. What happened when Jesus rose from the grave started a movement that has changed history and is still changing the world. One meal for a neighbor at a time one hand held during a doctor's visit, one school built for underprivileged kids, one baby rescued from the dump, one at a time, brick by brick, we are here to build his kingdom, to bring joy to the joyless person, to be kind to the person who's mean to you, to live counterculturally. Jesus was bruised, broken, crushed for our iniquities. 
he was buried but he rose again and he conquered death that we might be fully alive with this hope we are resurrection people and that changes everything the way we live now i'm in right before i have you stand i'm going to give you this one illustration i thought was so powerful you know if two women had the same job, they had the same horrible working conditions, they had to show up at the same time every day, same mode of transportation. They were living these parallel lives, but one woman was promised $15,000 at the end of her year of hard work and hard labor. And, and then the, the second woman was promised $15 million after her year of hard labor. How would you show up? It would just be a completely different perspective. And we need to see from a completely different perspective. We are resurrection people, and that changes everything. And why I just love for you to stand, stand with me, and we're just gonna take a minute. And I know we've had we have this carved out time where we forget about Monday's to-do list, we forget about our lunch plans, and we just actually focus, we gather, we worship, we focus on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has done what only he can do and paid what only he could pay. And I want you to ask yourselves in this room, how can I live today, this week, as if the resurrection really happened? How can I start acting like a resurrection person? Maybe you can pray with that person that God's been prompting you to pray with. Or you can sit and you can listen to someone's story and hear where their heart's at and actually listen to their pain and pray with them. Call on the name of the resurrected Savior, the power of, uh, that conquered the grave to actually fill you, to be able to do what in boldness, in His boldness, only you can do. Ask for that. Ask for Him to fill you for the simple things, an encouraging note, you know, muffins for someone who just needs a touch or an encouragement. Whatever it is, you can lean into the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, I don't like doing this, but I want you to take your phone out and don't look at anything except for your notes. Take it out, I know you all have it. Because I want you to write this down. Because sometimes when we're put on the spot, it's like all I can think about is, I don't know, nothing or too many things. And so I want you to write this down. It's a statement and a question. Ready? Okay. I am a resurrection person. How can I act like it? And I want you to consider that in this moment, but also today or this week to take that out and say, how can I act like a resurrection person in this circumstance, in this relationship? I want you to ask yourself. And so I'm gonna give us a moment to even reflect on that question, and then we're gonna pray together. So I just invite you to close your eyes. Music is wonderful. It can just, even just, allow us to hear and just open us to even what the Holy Spirit wants to speak right now. I'm just going to give you a minute to ask God, how can I act like a resurrection person?
Jesus, you see us. Jesus, you see our hearts and even you see our desire, our desires to, to change, our desires to be bold. But God, God, you also see our worry, our fear, our insecurity. And God, I just pray that there would be just a fresh revelation of the fact that you came and you've accomplished it. That we can walk in this newness of life. We can walk out this day, this day that we have. This only moment that we're promised is today. So help us in boldness because of what you've accomplished, Jesus. To do what you call us to do. Help us to be listening. Help us to be leaning in to where you're leading, God. You are so good and so faithful. You can open your eyes and in this moment, we don't like to leave this moment without an opportunity. For those of you who have not yet said yes to following Jesus, this resurrected King, He does change everything. And I want you to know more about Jesus and I want you to, to pray this prayer. I want you to start a journey of following Jesus, but don't do it for me. Don't do it for anyone else. Do it because you believe that there is a, a savior who came, who died, who took your sin upon him and now wants him, you to have new life. And so we're gonna pray a prayer. You can pray this prayer after me, just as a, as a way of saying, God, I surrender my life to you. So you can repeat this after me. Jesus, you came. Jesus, you lived and you died. Jesus, you rose again. And I believe it. You paid the high price for everything I have done wrong or will ever do wrong. Thank you for giving me hope today. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to start this journey with my first yes today, knowing that every day is another yes. I commit my life to you. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.